Okay, good. Um, so these were we. Uh, yeah, I showed this one and I showed this one. Um, so you can you can have a look at those videos, or you can make art. Who says that the fitness function has to come from the machine? It could come from the artist, from human. Evolutionary design by computers, exactly the same thing. You have some structures, some some genetic information. You draw the phenotype. You assess by eye by an artist, and then you modify the select the uh, best ones and mutate and repeat the cycle so that human is in here, in the loop, giving the fitness function. Uh, the vector of five genes, some gener defining some ribs, growing, the speed, stacking, bending, twisting features. That can give birth to images like this. This is the center, these are small mutations around it. So these are the close relatives to this one. And the artist would say, okay, I like really this one, let's keep working from this one. Uh, this is the same kind of thing. If you have low mutation rate, then the neighbors are very similar. If you have high mutation rate, then the neighbors are extremely different, right? Just randomly generating them and allowing you, the user to say that, oh, let's work on with this image. Uh, you can do uh, crossovers, combine the two features, you get the new offspring and their marriages. So inbreeding is relatively similar, producing similar shapes. If you uh, take distant shapes, you can get more variation. Um, some weighted averages can, can be applied. Um, you can start playing with the dominant and recessive genes, which, which ones uh, manifest themselves or which ones don't. Uh, maybe some uh, recessive genes don't manifest until you have both, uh, until both parents have given you that one. Um, so you can uh, evolve these uh, things and uh, you generate some kind of evolutionary tree. So, or you can render in different ways. You can uh, make 3D images. Some alien uh, forms. And not even by human coming up themselves with the I have this, exactly this shape in mind, but just in a way allowing computer to generate ideas and human is just evaluating, oh, this is a cool idea. And you can sort of think how, what is the, what is the piece of code or, or, or chromosome representation of the code of the shapes of whatever the, the patterning, etc. Uh, you can make chromosomes and then just keep uh, modifying them. 
So genetic algorithms really combine the multiple, uh, multiple uh, instances in the search space and try to generate, uh, based on those, generate the new, um, new candidates. Uh, the, the guy who did the SimCity, etc., Sims simulation games, one of his games is Spore. And he, there is a TED talk where he talks about the Spore that starts from the basic uh, single cell um, animal and then the user, the, the player can sort of start evolving it uh, somehow. So you can uh, have a look at these, even turning it into the computer games. Um, any questions about the genetic algorithms at the moment or evolutionary in here? You roughly understand how evolution works and then you can simulate that in computer, right? Mm, well, uh, one thing is that you're not you cannot be certain that uh, well, the evolution that well, in, it converges to well, uh, very good solution, well, it can converge to a very bad solution also. For example, well, species they, they it can't convert converge to a very bad solution because your algorithm tries to get out of the bad situation, right? But evolution creates what bad? Well, for example, there ha have been species which have just died because well, they don't fit into the environment. Or they don't change rapidly enough when the environment changes. Uh, polar bears are doomed to die if the ice melts away. They, they can't survive on, on land without ice or snow. Yeah. Environment changes, they die. That happened to most of the dinosaurs. The, the rest turned into birds and snakes and reptiles. How, how fa well, you can't change yourself within your lifetime. So if the environment change is slow enough, we, you can sort of think of adaptation. But look at now at the mammals, how long they live, and it's, it's a long process. But in the, in the, in the, in the lab, you can play with the, uh, I know the people who do these kinds of experiments, like with the yeast or something that, reproduces within a day, right? Or, or a couple of times in the day, replication happens. Uh, then you can start playing with the game that you change the environment. You have introduced some random mutation. You put in two strains, for example, or something, one where one gene, one gene has been changed, and then you change the environment, and how quickly they take over the entire population. So what happens in the evolution, how the mutations work, etc. just to test it in the in the real life, in the lab conditions, right? you can speed things up actually, and you can start asking questions: Does the new population maintain the variability or not? The killer diseases, like look, look at the Ebola now, right? It kills most of the people catching that. There was idea that uh, it's Ebola is very new, some 10, 11,000 years old. But now the Ebola genes have been found. What was the organism? In, in some of the distant organisms, it has been found. So Ebola-like viruses have been actually for millions of years, many millions of years. 
So I'm sure our, our predecessors also have been previously uh, affected by Ebola. Some survived, some, some did not. But later we did not need to have that protective gene. But in the among of the population, probably there is some 5% who still have that protection. Right? If the Ebola comes, they will survive. So the variability in the population is very important for, and for the nature, it, then it doesn't care about one single individual. It's only about the population. Can the mankind survive some big disaster? Not if you or your parents. And, <laughs> and the, 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 scare, the scary thought uh, is about this, that think about your, your parents, your grandparents. Entire your chain of past history all your pre predecessors have always produced children. Right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. All of them have succeeded to produce children, even when they were perhaps the predecessor of some bug or fly or, or some bacteria. You can't be the first one who breaks that chain. But, but in evolution, it's all about populations, not about single uh, individuals. And, uh, and the population on average, and I, I think this is exactly sort of like rapid change in, in the environment, or when Darwin observed these different, uh, started to play with the idea of the evolution, was that going to the archipelago, where there are separated islands, and uh, for example, there were these birds having different shapes of the peak. But they, they were, they had been evolved to specific type of food. The peak shape was exactly for that flower or for different flower, right? So what food was available in that environment, they had evolved to catch that food better. They were almost extremely similar, except some features that had uh, allowed them to become fit for that environment. And in, in the nature, there is human is not more involved than the bacteria. The bacteria have had the same time to evolve. They are fit for their environments. Evolution time has been the same. Maybe they have even more generations. We think of more complicated creatures, but in the evolutionary terms, <laughs> we would be helpless in the nature, right? We, the brain has allowed us to change the nature. Okay, so um, there are other features in the nature that we can borrow. Lots of things happen that by observing nature, in nature things have evolved. And let's try to borrow a mimic that these kinds of uh, um, features of the nature, nature or behaviors. And one of these is ant colony optimization. Or you could think of the bees uh, as well. They, they have their colonies uh, and they need to find food. And they, they need to go and grab as much food back to home as possible. There are millions of ants. They go out uh, the pioneer, how do you call this? Pioneer, no, who, who, who goes? The, the, the scouts. Scouts go out 
and some of them finds food, right? And they come back home. You can take different paths, and you find the food source. When you find the food source, you go back home, leaving traces of pheromones on the trail, so that the next aunt can smell the pheromone and follow the same path. Now, those ants that picked the short path, shortcut, their pheromone sense is much stronger because they got home sooner. Right? It's much more fresh on the short path. Over the time, the new ant follows the stronger pheromone trail, not the weaker one. And this increases the strength of the short path. So that you start exploring all paths randomly, but the traces of the pheromone say that some of them were more favorable. And ultimately all of them have found, most of them have found this best shortcut way right, to the food source. Um, when you complete the food source, your scouts go out again. Well, they keep going out in different directions. Some explore randomly, some, uh, some follow just the strong path, bring food back home. And the entire colony is kind of optimizing itself all the time to the shortest path in the nature. Uh, like in here, or another illustration in here, Aunt Colony, some food source in here, this is not so rich, also the, the thermal trail is not so rich. This one is bigger food source, so slightly stronger, but this is a very rich food source uh, and leaving strong traces in there. So when you have millions of ants going out, they pick uh, which paths they pick and then they help to strengthen some paths. When this runs out, they don't come back home immediately, right? And over the time, this evaporates. They explore further, and then they find a way back home. So they are very complicated uh, societies, but they work by very simple rules. So one individual ant does not think much. So the, the simple rules generate the more complicated behaviors. So ant colony optimization applied to traveling salesman problem. Uh, well, again, traveling salesman problem, you start uh, creating paths. Some that are short, you start strengthening them, weakening the longer, uh, unfavorable uh, paths, and get to the optimal solutions, or optimal, close to optimal solutions. Uh, it, it will work on the dynamic systems because your Optimization goes on all the time. In the internet, you kill off one computer, one drops out, you can't use that for routing, perhaps you, you choose another one. So it is dynamically adapt all the time to the new conditions, new environments. So, taking an idea from the nature, how on earth these simple creatures have managed to optimize? and make it into program code. The next topic uh, 
is uh, about a um, different type of idea of the evolution uh, that was named differential evolution in the... Okay, so think of the evolution. We have kind of parents, we, we have offspring, we want to generate better uh, populations. What happens when our chromosomes are real valued, floating point numbers? How do, you, how, do you how, how do you know how fast you should change? What is the rate of, of uh, change uh, in the values? Do you take always averages of the two chromosomes? Or what do you do? How do you recombine the real valued vectors? So as in the genetic field, in the evolution, you have, you have some a population, many instances, right? And you have the fitness for all of them. But you want to find something that is, uh, improves the situation, right? So the way how... The way how the differential evolution works is that it, uh, it tries to make one solution better. But how do you make it this better, having the data that is on the board at the moment? How do, how do you know which direction to even move from here? Which one would be most likely to be better? for this instance. You have all the information on the board, you have the population, and you have the fitness scores. And you try to make one better. Uh, we can select randomly or we can, we can use the other points somehow, right? So let's select randomly two points from here. So we try to make this better, but we have selected randomly these two points in here. This is better than this one. So if we move from here that direction, every coordinate wise, you know exactly between the, the vector between the two points, right? This is the direction, and the score gets better by some margin, whatever the rate, ratio, right? And then you can apply that, okay, what, what happens if, if it gets better in this direction, why don't we try to replicate the same direction in here, perhaps in the smaller magnitude? If, if this gets things better by 30%, for example, you could say, Oh, let's jump not as long step, or maybe in the beginning jump longer, later more conservative. But let's apply the same direction delta for this point. In here, it improved. Uh, let's put some weight, maybe just apply one third of this vector and get the new candidate in here. It seems that if it got better 
in there, why, why couldn't it be better in here? What is other chance? What is better than that? So, in here, this is what is happening, kind of, uh, uh, you may decide to improve, try to improve this point, or just two points in there, uh, at, least you, at least you know the direction, and in your code you can change the, the length of the chunk. Uh, so, late uh, 2000s uh, introduced, and Start so basically how it works. You you randomly pick three elements. One you try to improve. From the two you get the direction to which direction to move. Um, and now, if if your population gets somewhere in the one dense region, once your population has discarded all the weak ones, and you are in this best region also the jumps will automatically become much shorter because, because they are more compact, right? So the length of the jump is somehow dynamically adjusted to the, to the search space. Uh, and again, infinite loop, kind of repeat until Holtby criterion, and then you, uh, then you apply the delta that you calculate from the difference between the two previous points with some probability with some other probability, you can uh, perhaps get the new, uh, just keep the member, or apply the delta. Uh, you can add in this tournament kind of thing, which things have got better, how many offsprings to, uh, to generate, uh, how many to delete, etc. But just for the real value numbers, there is a sense of the direction, and that's direction you can get from here, and you can apply um, some cutoffs. How how long jumps you should make? Uh, and as in all the evolutionary approaches, you need or search heuristics. Of course, you need to somehow calibrate. You need to decide how how large are the populations. How how do you kind of scales? Maybe some crossover. Still, you can combine the vectors uh, in here. You know how how the, how to combine and maybe perhaps apply these ones. You can add extensions, add jitter, you can have random noise anyway. So this plus random noise. Uh, you can always decide to keep the current best solutions. Uh, all of these kind of things you can apply. But the important thing is that it works with continuous search spaces, real valid uh, search spaces. Uh, one example uh, where Dietmar Maringer was showing this uh, in the summer school to us was robust regression. You know, the, basically the regression, mean regression tries to minimize, um, you have the points and you try to find the line that minimizes these square distances. Now, this is the distance from the point. This is very close. This one is far. The square of the distance kind of tells you penalize more the ones that are further away. So you try to, this is perhaps very small, 
So the mean regression minimizes the total area of these boxes. Distance to this line. Now the problem in here is that the blue dots, if these ones are there, the mean regression line tries to pull this blue one down because they are otherwise left out, right? If there are outliers, these outliers may affect very strongly the mean regression. So one way to make it more robust is to say that why do you calculate the mean value of these squares? The average. Total sum divided by number. Right? Why, why calculate average? Why, why not stick to the median, which is more robust statistic for the average? Uh, if you think of this uh, uh, football match and ask all the 10,000 spectators there what is the average salary and then enters Bill Gates or one person can affect the mean a lot, right? But in the median it doesn't change much. So the median uh, value regression would, would be this red line, for example. Just these five outliers don't affect so much the, the median. So in a way you could say that the, uh, this function in here is better fit when we well, basically, it's fit when you apply median instead of the mean. Mean one, average error is in here, a median error in here. So, one case, it's very smooth, but the, the mean error is very smooth search space, and it can be optimized in statistics. Basically, statisticians know how to optimize this directly. This is very easy to calculate, so basically, analytically, immediately. Uh, easy, right? But for median, the search space is more rough terrain. Small changes may one or the other direction may because you jump to the next median is you, you jump to the neighbor one way or the, or the other way, and the changes are in this way uh, more rough. And in this search space, uh, uh, the me least median of squares uh, is. Uh, is a little bit more robust for this regression. And, uh, and with this kind of idea, you can, you can try to optimize what is the best function. You just need two or three. So basically, you, you represent the line. You, you need just two, three uh, real-valued uh, parameters of this function and ask which one uh, minimizes mean or median or some other function to the points. So you can apply that to even to the more complicated points, the more complicated formula. Um, did anybody attend or notice last year we had Ray Dagebera coming to present at the faculty? Nobody attended that? No? But you know who Ray Dagebera is? So he has been doing these uh, different data kind of data. He, he has some data and data analysis, and he would like to find relationships between the variables. In here, the relationship is said to be linear, right? Just linear uh, function uh, going through the points, data points. 
but he was more interested in, in the cases where the, the functions don't need to be linear, they can be multiplied, multiplications, they can be divisions, more complicated functions, and you could still ask what function describes the data the best without introducing too much error. Data is always noisy, uh, so you can still apply these different things. So, uh, kind of optimization, this function optimizes the best for the error, right? What is the combination of the function? Which genetic pro which program with these variables, whatever time you, way you multiply, divide, subtract, add, describes the data. Uh, and I, well, he was presenting the problem, but uh, nobody has, I think, well, statistics institute, institute of statistics was there mostly, um, some other people, uh, but I don't think that we have really provided any answer to him. But this this might be something where you could apply project. Yeah? Have some complicated, have some uh, mathematical functions, generate data, add noise, add uh, some outliers and ask, can you recover the same function? You can generate your own data and you can see how the optimization function would find the original that you generated data from. Uh, so I, I have also tried to play uh, in very simple code with these uh, things like there are clearly outliers, bringing the mean value up, but then uh, depending on, on the different minimization criteria, I think if you eliminate some uh, points from there, then the median automatically somehow gets lower, but it's, it's kind of fun to try to play around with these, uh, these kind of functions. Because the evaluation is very simple, you apply just for, for x you apply f and you see how far you are from the target line. Or with this blue line you can evaluate what, what are the distances to this blue line or the, the pink one. And then just evolve these parameters. And uh, these parameters have been evolving in here uh, with this kind of differential evolution thinking, getting the precision uh, sort of like higher precision in the in the in the parameters. So for the any order polynomial, you have just um, a few real valued parameters, and you can even fit any order polynomial with the same optimization technique. Okay, so that is, uh, how many do I have? Okay, that was about differential evolution. Right. The, the next uh, biology-inspired optimization technique is uh, coming from particle swarm optimization. Particle swarm is like like the flock of birds or or molecule or, or or Brownian movement of, of molecules. Somehow particles uh, molecules is not the right thing. I think that you, you should think of the stock of the fish or flock of the birds. Um, they try to follow the leader, right? Sometimes they, they, they fly in random directions, but they follow some leader, right? So if you think of the, you have seen the, in the National Ge Geographic some movies where with like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of small birds, how they, how the flock flies, right? 
you, you can visualize that. Yeah? Now imagine this flock of birds flying in here. And the moment that somebody gets the best score, you have the velocity flying this direction, I have hit the, hit the very good score. Right? You keep the, going in that direction, maybe you want to slow down or something at least in there, right? All the other birds will start following the current leader, the current best. So the 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 flock would be somewhere in here, they all somehow move to that direction until this in here hits better solution and suddenly that may move to that direction and all of them follow that path to the new direction. So you have the velocity, you can't change the velocity too much, you can't turn very rapidly, yeah? you can't slow down, speed up. If you are moving one way and then suddenly you have to fly there, you have to take turns. So just apply some physical constraints, how fast you turn, how fast you move, how fast you jump uh, through the search space. Velocity, in inertia, uh, good solution is currently you try to follow the good solutions and then apply all these uh, movement trajectories to the all the all the instances in the flock and follow that. Uh, so again, just until you can halt, until you meet some criterion, your solution is good enough. The power comes again from this uh, that you have multiple instances. Of course, you do a lot of work. You keep calculating functions for each one of them, right? But somehow from the collective, uh, collective search and trying to find the, the regions where it is worth to keep searching for neighborhoods, then try to follow these uh, uh, regions instead of a single entity putting all the bets on a single trajectory. And of course you have, well this you can clearly again apply in the continuous search spaces, real valid numbers. In your calibration, you need to decide about the population sizes, different weights for, for the speed, etc. Uh, um, all kinds of things. And then you can, then you can <laughs> extend the things, you can slow down uh, over the time, etc. The search uh, speed. So, uh, all these method, different optimization methods or heuristics. Uh, we have some deterministic aspects, take the best always, or randomness is clearly adding value in the search. Uh, generation of new candidate solutions, uh, you can decide whether to uh, accept or reject the new candidates. How do you generate new candidates? Modifying genes or doing this differential evolution or doing the, the flying particles kind of things. Uh, all these are, and of course then you can start making hybrids. You can start combining these features from different uh, meta-heuristics. So you, if you start applying these for some uh, domain, then in a way you have to look into the domain, become a little bit in the domain expert, understand how to represent that, and then you write the meta-heuristic that somehow where you believe that you exhaust the search spaces and rapid, well, as fast as possible uh, Converge. Um, 
If you, if you converge too fast, you get lo uh, stuck in local uh, optima. If you have too long, then you, your boss uh, kills you for CPU overtime. So, yeah. So, all these meta heuristics population based, trajectory based, uh, direct method, simulated annealing, is certain trajectory. Maybe you just have a, a single element kind of overlapping here. What do you keep explicitly? What do you do implicitly? Um, estimation of some algorithm explicitly. Aunt column is somewhere in between. So you, you can see how, how much trouble there is already to classify all of these uh, different uh, things. Genetic algorithms, programming, more into this evolution programming, differential evolution, scatter search. I, I, I don't know what that is exactly. Taboo search in here. So we have mentioned several of the ideas. Local searches, iterating locally, local searches, stochastic, adding stochasticity in the, in the search. Guided, trying to guide into the, uh, into the right direction. Doing the beam in the right direction. Um, so, these are all the kinds of different meta heuristics that you can apply for optimization techniques where, where the direct optimization is not possible. If you can analytically calculate the, uh, the analytical solution or borrow from, from the direct optimization techniques, that's fine. But in many cases, this is not possible, and then you apply some of the meta heuristics. And this allows to navigate through these vast exponential search spaces. Because at the end of the day, whatever you do, you can only search in a very limited uh, part of the huge search space. Because the, the entire side of search space is exponential. You can't do 2 to the power of 3 million. Right? There is 2 to the power of 100 atoms in the universe. <laughs> you can't search all. Right? But the meta heuristics somehow try to help navigation that uh, let's try to find the better uh, regions and let's try to search locally there. Right. Okay, um, with this, with these kinds of techniques, of course, you can um, also think that many of the projects might be doing applying meta heuristic, different meta heuristics, trying to play with these ideas uh, in in projects and. Uh, uh, every year we have run one of these TSP competitions that uh, I, I come up with a new TSP uh, task and then uh, everybody tries to show their current best results. Uh, um, my solution is this and who can beat this? Okay, any questions? Let's finish with the action then. Thanks.